0: Well, good morning, Christ City. My name is Heath, and I am part of the team here. Um, I, along with Jake, uh, want to again wish you Happy Mother's Day and acknowledge that this may be a joyful day for some, but for some of you, this is a, a Mother's Day uh, marked by loss. So I want to acknowledge that and know that, that as we celebrate Mother's Day together, you're not forgotten. Our text this morning is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. We're coming to the very end here, One more sermon after this. We're coming to the end, and and this is really an exciting passage for us, so let me read it. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death... He shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is true God and eternal life. Let's pray. Christ City, hear the words of the Lord today. Lord, I ask of you that you would reveal yourself to us in this text. Lord, as we as a church, as Christ City, that we would hear these words and not be overcome by them, but we would hear these words, and as a church, that we would be moved, that we would be stirred, and then we would be refreshed and new. In this I pray, amen. Now, some time ago I was mentoring a friend of mine. He had found faith as a 20-something adult, uh, and he grew up in a church. But his church with tradition was a little bit different than yours and mine. He was a nominal Christian, and, and it was required of him to go at Easter, and it was required to go at Christmas. And you also had to venerate Mary, you had to uh, venerate other saints, you had to kiss icons, and you had to light candles. In his words, that was the sum total of my religious experience. And as we began to talk, I realized that he knew nothing of or had the certainty of Jesus that John talks about here in our text. For him, God was some sort of cosmic deadbeat dad some sort of guy up in the clouds and Jesus was sort of a hapless kind of wittingly sacrifice that was just spread you know and then just thrown away afterwards but but if you really wanted to be fervent if you really really wanted to be a good Christian you would pray to Mary you would venerate the saints and you would give everything to the church now he even though he understood this and but he desired so much more So I made a deal with him, I said, look man, I will go to church with you, you will go to church with me, and together we will come to some sort of an understanding of what Christianity was all about, what faith in Jesus was really about. Now, the evil Heath one day had fun. I decided that I would take him to a charismatic worship event. Now you can imagine my excitement in this, he did not realize yet how exciting it would be. So I wanted him to experience prayer, I wanted him to experience worship, I wanted him to experience the singing. So we arrive fashionably late. We perch ourselves at the back, and we have a good vantage point, therefore, to see and observe everything. So the smoke machine starts. The music begins to play, and people start waving flags, people start yelling and screaming, and, and some of it was in gibberish, and my friend's look was absolute horror. Now after a few lively songs, a slower song was played. And the auditorium, the lights dimmed, and everyone was there, arms in the air eyes closed, swaying to the music. And it was at this point I leaned into my friend and I asked him, do you know why they raise their hands? Now my friend goes, oh no, I was wondering, I was really concerned about this. I says, dude, they do it to get better reception. He's like, what, really? How does that? And he's like, oh, you got me. Now all joking aside, it was this event, this, this service that was a catalog for our discuss, catalyst, rather for our discussions to talk about Jesus, the certainty that we have in Jesus and our belief in it. From this point on, our dialogue always led to one topic, and it was this: Heath, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know that I will have eternal life? Heath, how do I know that, that if, I, if I just don't do one big sin at the end, how do I know I will get in? How do I know that it is Jesus and not Mary that intercedes for me? How do I know? How do I know? Heath, how do I have the confidence that you have in your faith? How come I don't have that? Now, maybe you're on the call and you were exactly right there this morning. You've got this same persistent niggling at the back of your mind going, yeah, that's me. Maybe you're faced with some all-consuming reality of sin right now. Maybe it's, it's one issue or a combination of issues that you just can't right now see that God would actually want to have a relationship with you, that God would want to save you. Maybe, like my friend, you're looking and relying on the efficacy of something or someone else, something else you built your identity upon to give you the assurance that you're longing for. You may be wondering, Is Christianity, will it actually work? It is precisely for these questions that John pens, this entire book that we have been looking at in the past 15 weeks. John here reiterates his purpose for us today. His desire is for readers to be assured that those who believe in Jesus, it is they who are in possession of eternal life. Now, whether you're like my friend, whether you're struggling this morning or not, But if you call yourself a Christian, you need to be reminded this morning of the certainties that John gives us in his letter as he closes. And our our points for this morning are confidence in eternal life, confidence in prayer, and confidence in our spiritual understanding. Now in John's gospel, he wrote another book, and in his gospel, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, this same author, he, he says this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's concern has always been about people believing in Jesus, the Son of God, and in that belief that they have eternal life. John's gospel was written for directed to people outside the community of faith. Outside. And his his task was to plead with them to believe. This morning, our text is written for those who are on the other side, the other side of faith. And his concern for them is not rather that they would believe per se, but rather they would have the confidence in the one who they've come to believe, Jesus Christ. John is addressing his message to people who call themselves Christians. People like you and I, maybe Maybe on this call, like you and I, maybe you're like my friend. And they've been confronting with a cacophony of divergent beliefs about Jesus, who he is and what he does. John wants here today to set the record straight. So turn with me back to verses 11 and 12 from our text from last week, where John says, and this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son does not have life. And then verse 13 in our text today, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John is concluding this morning for us that life is only through Jesus. It's a sure bet it's a secure investment. It is a truth that's immovable and it's to be trusted. Not only because I say so this morning on this call, but also because, also not because John says so in his book, but, but this testimony is a truth that is based on what Jake talked about last week. It's from God himself. I'll state it again. John is writing here not to persuade people to believe in Jesus, but rather to correct, to bolster those Christian believers who are tempted to doubt the reality and the efficacy of their Christian faith. Christians like my friend, and maybe like you this morning, struggling to doubt with doubt and frustrated with this pandemic that we're living in. John reminds us this morning, life is in Jesus Christ, and whoever has Jesus has life, simply put. John can confidently say that because, because he was an eyewitness to Jesus. Turn back with me to the beginning of this letter. It's the other bookend of this letter, And and we read this in chapter 1, verse 1. That's which we have heard from the beginning, which we have heard rather, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it, proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, which we have heard, we proclaim also to you that you too may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ City, John starts his letter with the certainty of eternal life and the fellowship with God through Jesus. And he closes his letter with the same thoughts. The certainty of eternal life undergirds all that John has said, all that he has taught, all that he's, he's argued against. Everything that has been said has been to highlight this point in verse 13. I write these things to you that you believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, Christ City, as we transition to our second point, know that despite whatever self-guilt, whatever doubt, if you believe in Jesus, Son of God, come to earth that through his death, he paid the penalty for our sin. It's through his resurrection that you can be a certain of fellowship with God. Through faith in Jesus, we can be assured of that this morning, despite how I even say my words. But John doesn't stop here. If we are certain of life through Jesus, eternal life, then stemming from that reality, we can be certain and have confidence in our prayer life. We can have confidence in our prayer life. This is point number two. In verses 14 and 15 of our text, we read this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. John has already addressed the confidence that we have in our prayer life in chapter 3. But right now, what he does is he kind of puts the logic and it goes a little like this. If we have certainty in eternal life through Jesus then from that, we also have certainty that, that God will hear our prayers. And from that, if we, when we have fellowship with him, then if our petitions are according to his will, then we have certainty he will give us what we've asked for. Now, before we get into this circular thing about deterministic prayers according to his will, or you complain of some sort of prayer regimen that, you know, how come God didn't listen to my prayer requests for, a, request for a, you know, a spouse or Uncle Bob's toe fungus. You know, before we get into that, let's, let's stop and pause for one second and actually, actually see how significant what John is saying here. The certainty that he says about prayer. One, we have certainty that we can approach God in our prayers. Millions of people do not have that certainty in this world. Two, that we have certainty that God hears our prayers. Millions more don't even have that certainty. And three, we have certainty That God answers them. All because of Jesus Christ giving us eternal life. And the condition of this certainty is we do things according to his will. Now let's be honest. We don't always understand what that is for our own lives, right? Last time I checked, you can ask my family. I do not have exhaustive foreknowledge. And I bet you don't either. See, we do not know and understand the clarity of will for our own life. Let alone for those we are praying for. But the call is still to pray. Take comfort. Even Jesus was faced with this reality. There's an interesting story in Matthew right before Jesus is is betrayed and crucified. It's in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 39. We have this little interaction. Matthew 26, 36 and 39. Then Jesus went to to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, this is John, by the way, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it is be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Christ city, when we pray like Jesus here saying, not as I will, but as you will, we make ourselves obedient to god we put ourselves in a posture to be submissive to his will and we and when we pray as jesus taught us to pray in matthew chapter 6 verse 10 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven god powerfully answers our prayers god powerfully answers our prayers you see the cup did not pass from jesus that night he surrendered to his father and he went on to be betrayed in this very same garden. He went on to be executed for charges and crimes that he did not commit. And on the third day, he rose again. And prayer for his own salvation wasn't answered like he thought it, or like he wanted to. But rather, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we, he was victorious. And through him, we have, we have the ability to surrender. And we have surrender. And we can actually not suffer as he suffered we receive the benefits of him suffering, and that is his life, eternal life. The certainty in prayer that John proclaims here has been tested and found true throughout the entirety of the Christian history. We don't talk about this very often, but think about it. We, as a church, have the confidence to approach God in prayer. We also have the confidence that God hears our prayers, and we also have the confidence as a church that God answers our prayers. From the prayers of the martyrs who died in a Roman Colosseum to the prayers of the heroes of the faith that we uphold, also to the prayers of us today in 2021 in a global pandemic in year two. This certainty, rather, that John proclaims here has been tested and found true throughout the entirety of church history. God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. Christ City, we need to reclaim this confidence this morning, this certainty of our prayer in our time. This certainty rather stems from the confidence that we have in the life and work of Jesus Christ. With this in mind, we can now look at these confusing verses that are 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now, this isn't some random ADHD rabbit trail that John is going on here. He has been concerned about sin throughout the entirety of his letter here. And now he connects the certainty of our eternal life and the ongoing reality of sin. And he connects that to the efficacy of our prayer life, the prayers of us as believers. Our prayers are not and should not be individualistic. Think about this. Our prayers are not individualistic. They are an expression of love to those struggling with sin in the community. Now, there is some confusion regarding the terminology that John uses here you know, sin that leads to death, sin that doesn't lead to death, and we're like, what the heck's with that? Well, let's clear this up here so we can grasp the profound point that John is making here. He spent the entire letter articulating many angles all over upside down backwards again and again and again three specific sins that are incompatible with Christian belief and behavior and they are one the denial that Jesus Christ is the son of God two the refusal to obey God's commandments and lastly selfish a desire for selfish love of the world over sacrificial love of the brothers an old dusty theologian I Howard Marshall he says this it's really profound he says no sin is of such a kind as to prevent forgiveness, provided we repent of it. We are to pray for our brothers that they will repent of all sin. When we do this, we have God's promise that he will hear our prayers. The person who consciously and deliberately chooses the way that leads to death will surely die. Sin that leads to death is deliberate refusal to believe in Jesus Christ, to follow God's commands, and to love one's brother's. It leads to death because it includes the deliberate refusal to believe in the one who alone gives life, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So hear the words of 1 John 1, 9 again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Simply put, Christ's city, deliberate, continual, unrepentant sin is the sin that leads to death. Do not be confused by this. Therefore, an act of belief in Jesus then is a command to be followed, an expression of love towards those who are walking in sin in our community. And we are called to pray for one another at Christ city, having the assurance that God hears and answers our prayer. This isn't some lofty idea. This is extremely practical. In dealing with stubborn and particularly difficult sins, our call is to pray. Now, Many of us, all of us in in this call have had people sin against us, haven't we? We've all, we've all feel as though we've been unjustly accused of something or or we've been sinned against in a way that wasn't our fault. And we see our fellow brother and sister and we see them and we're angry at them. We hate them. We malign them. We backtalk behind them. What does John call us to do? When we see our brothers and sisters in sin, we are to pray for them. If we do this, it profoundly, it will profoundly change the nature and the fabric of our Christian community. In our dystopian landscape of isolated, me-centric, siloed spirituality, this certainty of prayer is a powerful reminder of our interdependence with one another, all stemming from our dependence on God. Our certainty in eternal life through Jesus gives us the resolute confidence in our prayers, which leads us to our third point. Certainty in our eternal life through Jesus gives us confidence in our spiritual understanding. John here in verses 18 through 20 deals specifically and directly with the nagging feeling of my friend's question. How can, how can I be sure that I cross the finish line from death to life? How can I know that one big sin won't derail me? How can I know? How can I know and be sure that I will be rescued from the power of the world and from the evil one. And John's answer is this in verse 18 through 20. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And that we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. John here gives us three we know statements. Three profound certainties. Three truths to give us confidence that we have life in Jesus Christ. Firstly, verse 18. John, once again, he addresses this idea of sin. And he states both as a promise and a command. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Full stop. Full stop. We are not to evade the paradox here, but rather John's point is to remind us that the answer to the question of sinlessness is not on our own merit, but rather it's on the one who is born of God. He keeps us safe. Because of Jesus, we have been made clean. And because of Jesus, we continue to be clean. And because of Jesus, we are kept clean. We are not overpowered by the world or the evil one. We may be tempted, but we are not overcome, Christ city. We need to once again reclaim this certainty as well. If we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one doesn't touch him. This profound truth leads to John's second we know statement. 19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. In these two we know statements, 18 and 19, John is reminding us of the certainty that he has already addressed in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Turn with me there. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is our certainty of eternal life. Through Jesus, we can know that we are from God. We are born of him. We are his children. And it is in his and his efficacy, and his power through Jesus, his life that we are protected, that we overcome, and we are presented sinless before God. That brings us to verse 20, and John's last assertion here this morning. And we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is true God and eternal life. John says, triumphantly, that through Jesus, not only do we have knowledge of God, but through Jesus, we also have an intimate spiritual relationship, a communion with him that transcends physicality. Look at the first part of 20 again. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. This is John saying once again that we abide in him. Marshall, the theologian, sums it up this way. Of himself, man cannot find a way to God and eternal life. He needs a revelation from God himself. So God sent his son to reveal truth. And those who accept the revelation come to know the true God. Christ City. our identity and relationship is with God. It's through Jesus. It is in him we have certainty of eternal life. It is in him we have confidence in our prayers. It is in him that we become his children. It is in him that we overcome sin. It is in him that we are protected from the evil one. It is in him that we can know God. And it is in him that we have life and it is eternal. John proclaims here to us this morning that the certainty of eternal life is through Jesus Christ. The reason why my faith looked different than my friends was because my identity was built on this reality, sourced in Jesus, and his was not. Any identity other than Jesus Christ will leave you enslaved. Hear me. Jake will speak about that next week. Whether it's your career, your political ideology, you know, left, right, whatever, whether it's your lifestyle, even fervent religious activities and practices, all, any identity other than Jesus will leave you enslaved and leave you certain that will rather, will not leave you certain of, of eternal life. The sad reality is is that my friend never had certainty in Jesus. Jesus was never the means to eternal life in God. It was always Jesus plus something else. It was always if I try harder, if I fast longer, if I pray more fervently, if I serve better, if I stay up all night and I light candles, hear me. Those are good things. But for him, they were a death sentence because they weren't practiced in the light of Jesus. In his effort to find salvation... He was dashed, he was shipwrecked upon the rocks of autonomous religious duty and practice. I decide what works, not God. See, his mistake was thinking that servitude and sacrifice were the means to eternal life. Instead of taking the cup of death, of burial and resurrection of Jesus, my friend took the cup for himself and he has been crushed by the weight of it. Instead of life, he's found enslavement. Through all his effort and his practice, My friend is still haunted. He is wondering, can God save me in the end? It grieves me to say this, but my friend's story is a cautionary tale for us because his story can be my story. His story can be your story. Christ City, as we close, hear the words of John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Be assured, Christ City, that you have life. Now, this morning, if you find yourself wanting, unsure, take a moment and ask this question to ponder seriously. What is my identity built upon? What have I added? What have I subtracted from Jesus? What false certainties have I built my life upon? Where have I trusted the efficacy of myself or something else rather than Jesus? Now, once you've articulated this area, Christ City, confess it to God, confess it to one another, and the power of Jesus will make you new. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is proclaimed loudly despite the bumblings of an idiot. I thank you that your truth here transcends how it's delivered. I thank you that your truth here has power and certainty to know that you love us and you've sent your son for us, and that we can have life in you. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you. We confess the times when we have taken up our own cup from your hands and have tried to do it on our own. We confess to you the areas of our lives where we built our, our identity on something other than you. Lord, we humbly ask for your forgiveness, knowing that you are righteous and that you will provide forgiveness for us. In this I pray. Amen.